All right. Welcome to How the Fuck Do I Podcast. Yeah, another episode. Another episode go. with my buddy Ben Farber. Cheers. 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 But we're now we're, drinking wine. We've yep, yeah, we've switched to wine. We've switched to wine. It's, it's little, five o'clock somewhere in the in the world. It's right. It's almost five o'clock here in Oakland, California. You're on my turf now, which I is am. awesome. I am. I am Marta Riggins. I am Ben's co-host. Hello, I am Ben. I am Marta's co-host. And Ben's an Aries. I am an Aries. You're a Capricorn. Yeah. And together we are here to learn about ways that we can pursue happiness. I mean, we're, we want to live our best lives. I I mean, we can literally not say this enough. We want to live our best lives. We want to inspire. We want to learn. We want to do, we want to talk to people and learn, learn as a collective, you, me, our moms, the people that listen to this podcast. The only people that actually listen to this. And we want to learn how we can continually improve ourselves to find that happiness. I mean, we sit in this very room, even without these microphones, and we talk do. about advice that we want to give and that we want to inspire other people. That's right. And we sit here to to, to want to give that to the world. And so here we are. Cheers again. Cheers to that. So, Cheers, you know, man. we have another fucking amazing episode we do. Coming up. Coming up. With- An incredible guest, a, a longtime friend of ours. Marta, I think that you should definitely intro her. Okay. I mean, I'm. It's, it'd be my great honor. Great honor. And pleasure. Uh, this woman is a woman who truly changed my life. And she's going to get all misty and she's already rolling her eyes at me. <laughs> uh, Sarah Wagner is a very seasoned, not only is she a very seasoned HR leader, she was a recruiting leader at Genentech and Facebook. And the head of my boss as the head of talent at Pandora. Um, she's currently the chief people officer at DoorDash. So she is an amazing career, badass lady boss, but she is an amazing mother. She's a wonderful friend and she changed my life because I swear to God, Sarah Wagner brought my life back in balance when I started working for her at Pandora and I was working this crazy job leading events and I had a baby and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing and I never had a mother a woman who was a mother who was a boss that could model like having it all and sarah modeled it all for me so sarah truly like revived my life so i'm very grateful to have sarah here and you know sarah from of course working at i pandora do at pandora well. of course yeah sarah and i go way back now five years um when i first got uh, yo, yep. you're a little aggressive on the I'm mic a, i'm a little aggressive <laughs> on the mic today we can talk more about the mic later yes but one of the reasons why we wanted to have Sarah here is I think Sarah just exudes who she is as a person and every aspect of her life. And we want her to come and tell us about how you can just be your authentic self at work all the way up to when you're in the C-suite. I knew that uh, Marta should make the intro. I was right. Oh. Thanks. So you just like, you crush me and build me back up. It's really good. I appreciate that. You know, I'm trying. Yeah, yeah thank you. Well, no, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm thrilled. So, Sarah. Yes. Um... Let's let's go back in time. If I could turn back time, that fun, should be a part of this. Fun story. Yes. Well, that's actually a long. That's a long story. We're, okay. we're keeping it condensed. We're, right. we're staying on task. Okay. But if we could turn back time and let's do it. Yeah. Share take, style. Take us back to you know where you grew up. Kind of short upbringing. You know, tell who, us about who are you that calling time. Short. Definitely not you. <laughs> yeah, <Sarah>. definitely not you. <laughs> For those who don't know Sarah, Sarah is six two. Six foot two. She is just a tall drink of water. Oh yeah. And with her with her blonde <laughs> hair, awesome pompadour, she's probably like six three, six four. Yes. And we were talking about before you got here, looks a lot like Betty Who. Betty Who. Wow, that is a huge compliment. She I is awesome. love her. 
and follow her on Instagram, like a weird stalker person that is like totally harmless stalker. But oh, yeah. I do love nice, her. A nice stalker. Much. And yes. I was telling Ben before you got here about the time that we were at South by together and people absolutely thought she was Betty who, and we're like letting we us get in the into VIP some, areas. We got into like, some special areas. And because, I'm pretty sure yeah. they thought that she was Did Betty you play who. it up? Were you like, oh yeah, I'm I definitely. cannot do the accent. Um, okay, yeah. So I just really just was like, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm, and just we went. They were right like, on "Nice in. to see you," and she was like, "Thank you, you too." And then we just walked <laughs> right in, and it was amazing. Hey, take advantage. Yes. yes. All right, going way back. Go way back. So I am the oldest of three kids. We grew up on uh, or around Native American reservations my whole life. Uh, my father was a dentist for the Indian Health Service, and so what that meant was he was deployed to um, support different health centers in the reservation areas of a variety of different tribes. And so we lived in really, really small towns where uh, in some cases, you know, we we grew our own food uh, and um, didn't have a lot of conveniences, which actually allowed us to use our imagination a ton as kids, which was really, really fun. Uh, And yeah, so I like grew up in the middle of nowhere. Will you talk wow. about the rattlesnake in the bag, please? Oh, do you want to hear that? Yes, yeah, please. Absolutely. Quickly. Okay. So very quickly, <laughs> my parents, <laughs> I thought they were going to die. Why? Now I know why. Because I have three kids. And if my kid did what I did that I'm about to tell you, like I would probably have a heart attack. So uh, a friend of mine and I were like out running wild, which is what we t- typically did. And we found a rattlesnake nest. And there were all these little baby rattlesnakes, which are like super cute. Um, and the most deadly things on the planet, which we did not know. And so we went back and we got a paper, a little paper bag, like a lunch bag. And we scooped up a bunch of the little baby rattlesnakes into the uh, paper bag. And we went into the house and we were like shaking the bag because it was like a rattle. And my um, parents were like, what's in the bag? And we're like, rattlesnakes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I love and my this parents were like, so "What do you mean?" I was like, "Like, yeah, we've got little baby rattlesnakes, and we're shaking them." Oh my god! <laughs> That's how remote it was when Sarah was growing up. Which, yeah, um, they, quickly the bag was removed, and um, I, I still like, I can't believe that this really happened. Like it's so bananas, but yes, there were rattlesnakes. So little baby rattlesnakes in a bag. So that's kind of like I think that that's a really good um, example of like where we lived and like what we what we were exposed to. A yeah. lot of like dangerous things in the middle of nowhere. Wow, that's super unique. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and you were a tall drink of water, very much, very early on too, which was like made me really popular. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it probably really. helped you realize, like, all right, I might not look, I might not blend in. So yeah. you kind of had to learn to like be like, this is me, you know, pretty it's, quickly. I would imagine. You know, it, it's actually been a process. It's one that I still actually, so I appreciate so much the, um, you know, that you, that this group and that you all feel like I like live my best life and I'm true to myself and stuff, but I still like have to, you know, do I wear heels or not? Like I'm, you know, I've got the big hair, like, you know, I'm already super tall. Like I do think about these things, like, yeah. um, especially, you know, my husband is much shorter than I am too. Um, and so I have to like, it's weird. So anyways, no, it wasn't something for me that I like immediately was like, well, I'm going to be really tall and I'm super w- different and weird compared to everybody else. And like, I'm just going to be me. I struggled with it a lot, actually. Um, and, you know, had complexes about, uh, you know, d- 
do I need to be thinner? And, you know, if I'm going to be a model, cause I have an aunt who was like lovely and like trying to help me like feel like I could fit in. And she brought me up to Portland and was like taking me around to modeling agencies and was like, Oh, you can, we're going to, you know, build self-confidence in you, which was like amazing that she did that. But like a byproduct of that was like being, you know, 14 years old and having some stranger tell me that like my face was too fat. Mm. Um, and I was already like struggling with the fact that I was like, really awkward and weird and tall anyways. And then now I've got a fat face. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like, I got nothing awesome. going for Okay, me. great. Like, I feel really good. Um, you know, so I think that, I think that it's been a process for me. I think that there was a certain point, though, where I was just like, well, you know what? This is me. Like, I've got to work with what I've got. And, you know, there are, it's not, not that, it's not bad. Like, it's like, I'm tall. So, like, whatever, I'll buy guy clothes for a while. Like girl clothes in a long inseam did not exist when I was in high school and college at all. Like it was like, literally I would wear, I wore men's shoes. I wore men's pants. I wore like, I mean, I couldn't go shopping and buy clothing that fit me. That has got to be really hard trying to be your authentic self when you were like forced to buy men's clothes. Right. Like that would be really hard. It was hard for me. Like I, you know, it wasn't until I mean, honestly, like if I'm going to be like real about this, it wasn't until like the last couple of years that I actually felt me like the short hair, the blonde hair, the pompadour, the, you know, the leather jacket, like all the stuff that you see, like my things that I wear all the time. Like this is like me now to be in the situation where I had to go to like Miller's outpost and buy like men's pants and that I could, so I could finally have like the right inseam and to go and, and wear like Timberland boots, like, which actually are cool now, but like back then, like in the day, like I wasn't super cool walking around in my boots. With Did you my... avoid shopping with your friends because, because of that? Is well, that my kind... best, my best friend at the time is a gay man or, and so he is still my best friend and it was great because we could shop together. Although he didn't like any of the clothes that I was buying because his clothes were very different than mine. But, um, but he actually struggled with that too. Now that I think about it, like finding clothes that he really liked was very difficult back then yeah. too. Well, you were kind of confined. It was like there was only limited places you could express your style or you had to make your own stuff. That's true. And he used to make fun of me too because like I finally found like a women's jacket. I think it was like J. Crew that I could buy like a, I bought a woman's jacket. Plus I had, didn't have any money. So like to buy something from J. Crew back then was like, whoa, this is like amazing. So I bought this jacket and he made fun. Like I wore it all the time. So much so that it was like, there isn't a picture of me, I think my junior year of college where I'm not wearing this freaking jacket um but because it was like a woman's jacket and it's so weird but you know from then you were like rock on that's true and that pun is intended that is true that's yes i had a car with a license plate that said rock on wait no way you roq for k-rock so rock and then on was my actual license plate in college and then into my first job but then when my job got serious like they made me not have a license plate. They made you not have a license plate? Because I was a salesperson and I had to take clients out of my car. And so I couldn't like roll around with like the rock on license plate. It probably wasn't going to like work very well. That's about, that would be perfect for me right now. I know. I still have it. Do you really? Yeah. But I don't, I, I, someone probably picked it up. It was pretty cool. But I still actually still have the license plate. But I think like my takeaway from hearing Sarah and just like growing up and buying clothes and like who she is today, where she is at, one of the takeaways that I heard from you was we all go through these struggles. I mean, we all have these 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 demons inside of us and these, again, it goes back to self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what level you're at in your life or your career, we all go through these same type of, type of 
struggles. Yeah. And um, I think that's a really important takeaway, you know, for anyone, no matter what status you are in this world is like, we're all in this together and we all have our struggles no matter what. So yeah, it's, it's, it's true. true. And I think, you know, like in the line of work that I do and that Sarah is in charge of as well, a lot of what the workforce is trying to do right now is encourage people to be who they are. Mm-hmm. Like, who are you? Be who, Bring your whole self to work. Be your authentic self. And it's really hard when you feel like you can't, you're not comfortable in who you are or you're not sure how others are going to accept you. Or for example, like you had to change your rock on license plate, which like nowadays it's kind of like, wow, like would that really be an issue if you were in sales, right? It's a conversation piece. And so I think a big part of what people struggle to do is just be okay with who they are and bring that to work. And I'm curious, when did you like finally realize that it was okay to be who you were at work? I want to say it was probably at Pandora. I had ended up at a place where, so I love music so much and have always loved music. It's always, you know, it's the soundtrack of, of my life is like, I can think about different times in my life and I, and music really defines that for me. And so to work at a place that was a music company, um, and to have it be okay, there were lots of people that around me that had shaved heads and like looked different. Right. And so I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like I can, you know, I'm, I'm going to be blonde and I'm going to have a fohawk and I'm going to do this. And it's like, okay, now at home, my family's like, what is going on with you, mom? Um, <laughs> Midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> totally. She comes mom. home with a Porsche. Yeah. Like, yeah. And okay? it's got rock on on it. <laughs> True that. Yes. That's actually a good idea. Um, that's next year. That's, that's, that's 2019. Year. Yeah, I know. I turned 45. I turned 49 next year. Or 49. 45 Whoa. next year. I was like, you just time hopped. No, 45. I know. 45 next year. So maybe. Maybe. I think you should bring it back. I think so. Uh, so anyway, so I think it was at Pandora and I think it was because I was actually at a place where it was okay to be different. Uh, and I had spent a lot of my career receiving feedback around myself that was like, okay, you know, um, there are things, you know, I can be, I can be loud. Like I'm very tall. I can come into a room. I can, I can shut people down inadvertently because of, and, and I have big eyes and it's like all of these things. And I get misty eyed when I'm feeling, um, emotional about something and like all these things about myself that I was trying to temper and change and shift like throughout my career. Cause I'd received feedback about how it made other people feel. And I think I had this awakening and this realization that like, well, I need to be respectful of how other people feel for sure all the time, but I also need to care about how I feel. And if I don't feel like I'm being myself, then I'm not going to be as effective as I could be. Um, and so that was like a realization that I had had at Pandora where I was able to modify my styles, able to shift a bit, but I was able to still be me rather than being the robot version of myself that was so conscious of how everyone else was feeling that I actually wasn't feeling so great about myself. Right. And how did that affect how people worked with you once you were actually being that version of yourself? You know, I, I, as I look back and I think about it, I think that... I think that the fact that I was myself more and I was, I was different for sure. Uh, it, I felt like it was a beacon actually to, um, people who were either figuring out who they were or who were on the, you know, the fringe of like what it was like, quote unquote normal. Um, people gravitated towards me a bit more, um, and asked for, you know, advice or mentorship or sponsorship. So I think it actually opened up a lot of opportunities, 
for me to connect with people because I think people saw me as someone who was um, accessible, even though I was, you know, I, I could on the outside could be viewed as, you know, super tall, loud, big eyes, mohawk, blah, 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 as not accessible. I actually was more accessible because I think people viewed me as being authentic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's such a huge point to bring up is like to be yourself is probably the most valuable thing that you can have and like it's your competitive advantage huge competitive advantage and people see that and you know with Sarah it was one of those things where they saw you know her being herself in a leadership role you know people want to gravitate towards that and and that attracts you know people that want to change that Um, I guess my my question is is that you as a leader how do you encourage them to kind of be themselves like how do you what are some of your Um, advice that you give them to when they do come for for that mentorship yeah I'll give you an example that happened recently so there uh and this is this is where it gets super hard um you could you know you can kind of tell when someone is either kind of putting on a facade and in this case uh, there was someone who I was working with who was I could tell like with other people much more of himself and then when he would come into room with leadership he was like almost became robotic, you know, like very formal, very, uh, rigid, uh, and actually not as effective as I saw him when he was engaging outside of the walls of the room with the leaders. And so in a one-on-one with him, I actually just, and this is the thing that I feel like I need to do more of because I know it works really was just like talk to somebody as you want to be spoken with. Like if I were walking around that way and someone else saw me, I would just want someone to talk to me like a person, not like some performance conversation around pop, 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 but like really like, Hey, I noticed this, like what's going on there? Like, do you see that? Or is that something that you're aware of? Um, because when you don't do that, you're actually really effective. And when I had that conversation with him, he, first of all, he realized he's like, yeah, that's actually, he's like, I'm trying to, you know, be more professional. And he came from a more professional environment, you know, we're much more of a startup. And he's like, I felt like that's what I should be doing. And I said, well, you could do that. Like if that's you, but I, I'm, my sense is it's not because I've seen you be you and other instances. It's like, it's not, it's kind of exhausting. And I'm like, great. Well, like don't do it anymore. Like you have permission. And I think that that's the thing that I think can be super helpful when you're in a leadership role yes. is even though like we're like not back in like the 1950s is like just giving someone permission can be empowering for them. Like you have my blessing to not do that anymore. And like immediately it was like a night and day. And in fact, he had received feedback just the next day from someone who said, wow, you seem like you've really loosened up. Like I like really feel like I can connect with you in a different way. And like all of this, like really great feedback. But I think, you know, to be a, a leader and like the leader of HR, do you feel like, how do you stay true to yourself as you climb that ladder in HR in this field where it's, you know, it's supposed to be sort of in the box and you've broken the mold. Like, how do you continue to do that? Yeah, you know what's interesting is that I am I am a foul mouth person at times. It's actually something I'm, I'm working on a couple of things. I was like, if they ask me, like, what do I want to be better at? I was like, I need to actually curse less, I think. Um, 
but I do love to curse so much I sometimes. Love, I know. You, you can curse on this because it's called How the Fuck Do I Podcast. I know. And that's why I was like, yes, sign me up. Um, I'll <laughs> fucking do it. So, <laughs> so. Fuck yeah. <laughs> but, but I actually have a couple members of my team who, you know, are very much like they do not curse at all, like ever. And they have um, a belief system that is very firmly placed in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, at a point where they, they don't, you know, they, they do not drink, they do not curse, they do not do a lot of different things. And <laughs> those are some of my favorite things. Um, and so I have to, you know, also recognize that being my true self and, and so forth, like I also, again, have to be respectful. So coming in and leading HR at a startup um, and wanting to kind of create order um, and wanting to be a trusted advisor and wanting to do all these things and wanting to be myself, I also have to make sure that people can be themselves too. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we should take one step back because um, your guys' profession as people culture, culture, what you, what's it called? Cold, cold people employee culture? Experience, employee experience. Employee engagement. Talent brand. People. Talent brand. Yeah. You know, I feel like this is a very, I, I don't want to say emerging, but a lot of people ask me like, oh, okay, you know, when I talk about you and what you do, they're like, oh, what is that exactly? So, yeah. um, you know, can you talk a little bit about exactly what people culture is and kind of what your goals are as a team? And because and, like, I think that this is hands down one of the most important sections of a business to keep people engaged and to keep people happy. And also just from my experience at Pandora, we talk about this a lot, mm-hmm. is people. That yeah. was the most important part in my experience at that place. And I think that's because of the work that you guys did and implemented. And then, and you know, so I definitely think it's an important thing to kind of talk Thanks, about. Ben. Thanks, Ben. First of ben. all, thank you. That's of course. Nice. And I, I really mean that. I mean, peop- Pandora was people for sure. So, and it was, and you know, and, and we were definitely emerging at that time. Mm. It was not like a, you know, oh, of course everyone's going to do that. Like there was a lot of like, what's, you know, what's the business case for doing this and why should we invest in this and so forth. And I think what's, um, my point of view is this, if you look at a company, the two most important things that a company has are like what it does, like its product and the people that build the product, make the product, market the product, you name it. Those are the two things. And so in the past, HR has very much been the police, right? Like HR, the HR police, like you watch like any movie and like any stereotypical HR person has like a cardigan and glasses and is super rigid. And like, burp, 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 burp. You know, and, and that actually is not this um, kind of like where we're at relative to people. So I've used this analogy before. So let's say you have a hundred people. And studies show that the more engaged a person is, the more productive that they will be, right? And if your two most important things are your product and your people, then if you have a hundred people and they are not really engaged because they don't understand how the work that they do connects into the bigger picture, they don't believe in the leadership of the company, they don't feel like they have the tools and the resources to be successful. They don't feel like they can be who they are. And lastly, they don't feel, thank you, no, that's perfect, great ad, that's why you do what you do. They don't feel like they can be who they are and that they can bring their best every single day. That 100 people quickly turns into 60 people or 50 people because they're working at 60% or 50% of their capacity. They're delivering 50% or 60% of the productivity that they're capable of. And so companies that actually don't focus on really feeding and nurturing that population of people, one of the two most important things that they have, they then have a couple of choices. 
they can actually prioritize that and figure out how best to do that. Or they just start adding more people. So then you get organizations that maybe have 2000 people and maybe a thousand of them are actually, or you get a thousand of them like worth of productivity. So then you have a bloated organization. People are dissatisfied who are giving a half-ass job and that's a hugely expensive problem to have. So if you think about it in terms of like business, like cost, why not have a hundred kick-ass, fully engaged, amazing employees that are delivering what you could like fully realize. And they're actually feeling really awesome at the same time. Like that's for me, like that's the, that's like why it's so important. Yeah. It's not like a, it's the right thing to do and all that stuff. It is, it is for sure the right thing to do, but that's like, that's not the business yeah. case. It's paramount to organizational health. And then throw on top of that, it's a good economy right now, right? So you got someone knocking on your door, calling you, emailing you, sending you LinkedIn messages every day. Hey, here's the grass is greener. And when you're happy, you're like, no, I'm good. It's true. And then you end up with a, you know, a revolving door. Yep. Which is, which does, which costs a lot of money. It does. But I think on top of that though, it is also the right thing to do. It is. And I think in, in the next year it is going to be more important than ever before to be working for a company that values people as human beings and has good, you know, an ethical compass and cares about its community. Like those are the things that the workforce is going to want more than ever. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know about you, Ben, but for me, I could be working at a company where like, I like the product, I like the people, I like the mission, but if I can't connect to my coworkers or my leaders in a way like that is personal, I'm not as engaged. I fully agree. Like if I feel like I can't relate to a lot of the executives, I'm like, I, don't, I can't be here. Yeah. Because you need to know, I think just showing that vulnerability is super important like as a leader. Yeah. And I love that about you, by the way. Oh. Thank you. Because you do you do show vulnerability. Like one of my favorite things is when Sarah got handed an MA and she was like, I don't know how to fucking do MA. I'm gonna Google it. And I was like, All right. <laughs> I did. And actually we were just cleaning out our office at home and my husband found the so I printed out this manual from the World Wide Web about how to like support a merger and an acquisition and printed it out and put a binder clip on it and studied the shit out of that thing, highlighted it. Post-it notes, the whole nine yards. And like, we actually just found it. It was, it was like a roadside car with me like the whole time. Cause I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, so yeah. So when I don't know something, I'll go and find it or find someone smarter than me who knows it. And then we'll go from there. I think the best executives are like, Hey, I'm going to find, I don't know. I'm going to find someone who's better than me at that. And they're going to make me better. I was literally about to say that same thing. <gasps> I really was, oh, gee, you know, man. because I do think that the best leaders hire the people that are better than them. Very yeah. much so. And, and you just had an awesome article in Business Insider about oh, that. Oh, thank yeah. you. Uh, yeah. yeah, which you, you can go and read about basically, um, it's all about why, you know, nobody's not perfect. Being, no one's perfect and why you should be vulnerable. Yeah, I, I do that all the time actually, uh, and still do. Just because I think it's important to, 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 the longer I put on a facade that I don't know what I'm doing, the worse off everybody is, especially in a leadership job, because I'm responsible for leading a group of people. And if I'm sitting there pretending like fake it till you make it, like that's bullshit Mm -hmm. because there's a whole bunch of people who are counting on me to know what I'm doing. Uh, and so if I'm sitting there like trying to pretend and put on a facade, then I'm actually not getting shit done. And the most important thing is that we are moving the business forward. So I'm like the first to raise my hand and be like, no, I actually don't know how to do that. 
wow, like we need to hire somebody who can do this. I need to find somebody who can do this. Like let's research this and figure this out. Um, and then we all learn together. And that's the other important thing I think is that, you know, learning in a vacuum is one thing, but as a leader, like bringing everyone else along. So recently, uh, we just had our comp committee meeting. Um, equity is actually something that I've been learning a ton about. It was a blind spot, not a blind spot. I knew that it was something I didn't have a lot of experience with. So it was definitely a gap that I had. Um, and actually pretty good at it now. So I'm really excited about it. <laughs> um, and so, but I, you know, in the presentation that we made to the comp committee, I then brought my leadership team together and I'm like, all right, everybody, like this is a super technical thing. Like we're going to all learn this together because at some point in your career, you need to know how to do this. Um, and that's actually something that I think is really, really important too. Like you as a leader learning is one thing, but like share that learning with the people around you so that you can learn together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I also think just from the other side as an employee with a boss, the one the uh, which was talked about in the article was asking for help mm -hmm. and you know I think a lot of people and especially for me right now you know coming into a new job I'm you know I'm I'm looking at myself okay I need to be the expert I need to be the expert but actually I'm like a sponge learning so much right now and I think the biggest thing that I took away from the article was like maybe I knew do need to just be to my boss like I don't know what I'm doing right now like yeah. I need some I need some help yeah, because you were hired for a reason. Yeah. Because you're great at what you do. But you don't know how to do it where you are. You've never been where you are before. It's brand new. That just blew my mind. You just got so quiet. You know how to do it, generally. You know how to do it where you used to work. Yeah. You're really good at it. But you need help to figure out how to do it where you are now because it's new. Yeah, I think that that's so big because my fear coming into the job was yeah. like, man, they're going to expect me to know how to do everything. And like, I don't. I definitely don't. I, I notice things that I do. But yeah, I mean, that was the biggest takeaway. And like, I mean, that that message from Sarah is probably going to be so powerful for a lot of people, for yeah. sure, you know, because I think a lot of people have that expectation in themselves when they move to new jobs mm -hmm. and especially getting to levels of now I'm a director, like, holy fucking shit, Ben Farber's a fucking director? I was never supposed to be a director. I got C's and D's in school. Like That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Exactly, for sure. But it's just, you know, it's it's it's... I got I got that because of asking for help along the way yes. and, and being surrounded by amazing leaders. So I think that's just a really powerful thing. That it's you true. Said. Don't forget what got you there. Yeah. Right. You you asked for help along the way. I think you just nailed it with that. It's like this. You know, don't ever stop asking for help. My boss is the CEO. In our one on ones, I ask him for help. I do. And like that's a. I mean, talk about vulnerable. Like it's like, okay, you know, I, I, I'm out there. Like it's all out there. But if I'm not asking him for help, like his number one thing for me was learn our business. We run a very complicated and complex business that you have never been a part of before. So learn our business deeply so that you are really good at applying what you know how to do here. Right. And so along the way that opened the door for me to be able to be like, I don't understand this. Like, what does this mean? You know? And he's like, oh, let me tell you, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, and so think about that when you have somebody who's working with you, how do you open up that door at the very beginning so that they know that they can ask you questions, that it's okay not to know things. Is that just saying to them like, Hey man, like hit me with questions. Don't be afraid. Like, yeah, I would, I would. And I would, and, and, and model it for them actually show them in a moment where you're actually saying, I don't, I don't know this. Right. 
Then they're like, oh, wow, Ben just said that he didn't know this thing. Maybe I can tell him that I don't know 18 things I'm supposed to do, blah, 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 right? Like it actually opens up the door. It is so true. At my last company, there was so many acronyms. Like you would have thought we worked for the government. And and like my first meeting, I think there was four acronyms and I raised my hand. I was like, I'm I'm sorry, can you just stop? Because I don't know what that means. And because I I feel very confident being like, yeah, I don't don't know that. And afterward, three people were like, I'm so glad you asked because I worked here for six months and I never knew what that was either. Wow, no way. Yes. It's real. I feel like a lot of the the takeaways here are to be vulnerable, embrace imperfection. It's okay at any level, even all the way up to the C-suite, to say you don't know and that you need help. Ask questions. I love that. Just ask questions. questions. And I think also to be – it's let who you are be true but also what I love as you said is to be respectful of who other people are yes and make sure that your authentic self isn't overshadowing someone else and preventing them from being who they are and I also think asking questions because I'm just on asking questions but it shows that you're motivated to want to learn more Mm -hmm. and I'm sure from from having good leaders that should be get recognized very Um, much so yeah I and and I think that it is as a leader, you have to remember when you see somebody who's putting themselves out there and they're asking a question in a forum where they are probably scared shitless, with, right, is afterwards take the extra time and say, hey, I noticed you asked that question. That was really great. It probably helped a lot of other people in there. How long did it take for me to say that? Yeah. A second, yeah. right? Like, And it's like that. then it reinforces. Yeah. And then you're kind of building this culture of it's okay to inquire. It's okay to not know everything. We got to like be open and have each other's backs because we're growing together. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, I think um, one of the things that happens a lot too in any, any person's work is you, you sometimes doubt yourself. Like you get in a situation where you're like, am I doing the right thing? What am I going to do? I'm nervous. I have to speak. And you gave me some great advice uh, and I've heard you give it to other people. And I think it'll be great for you to share your one thing that you tell people when they have self doubt. I just said this the other day to someone. Did you? I did. I think this is the thing. I think I think it's going to be the thing. It's, it's got to be the thing. It's got to be the thing. I hope it's the thing. The thing that I say to myself and that I said a lot through my career um, that I have passed on as advice is this one thing, which is when you're sitting there and you're doubting yourself and you're about to go into the big meeting or the big pitch or the, the performance review or the you name that important moment that's freaking you out is to sit back and say, why not me? That's mm-hmm. the one. Why not me? I have a thousand reasons why it shouldn't be me in my head that are running around that are saying like, you're not smart enough. You don't have the experience. You aren't strong enough. You didn't study enough. You aren't, you know, name it. And it's like bullshit. There is no one else who is better suited for that moment than you. Why not you? And if you ask yourself that, I guarantee that it'll be hard as hell to find one reason why it shouldn't be you because you know how hard you've worked you know what you've been through you know what your life has been like you know how bad you want it and trust me next time you're in a jam you're sitting there telling yourself some fucked up story about why it shouldn't be you ask why not me i'm fucking fired up I'm fucking fired up. That is, it's true. It it I've works. Never, I've never thought about that. It that works. Way. I I had the first time I went to speak 
in front of 3,000 people, it was like a big deal, like the lights. And I was like, you know, Janet Jackson microphone, or, you know, like it was <laughs> I mean, like flesh, were you flesh Tony control? Robbins microphone. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And like, I'd spoken a ton, but never that big of an audience. And I was shaking in, in my head. I was, I heard Sarah go, why not you? And I was like, why not me? I've done this presentation 10,000 times. I know what I'm talking about. Even if I don't remember, this is about my work. I got this. It, it works. It works. Man, that is awesome. Take it for a spin. It's a good one. All right. That is a great segue into lightning round, I think. Okay. All right. Ooh. So, Sarah, this is how it works. We, this is from Lighthearted Questions. Oh, excellent. You can stop sweating now. I can't. No. It, it's, or you can just keep sweating. You don't even understand what's happening. I'm sorry. It's, it's like only a, at 67 It's like a metabolic meltdown. It's, I turned it down. Woo! So, it is one word answers. Lightning round. Ben mm. and I alternate asking questions. Yes. One word answer. Ben, do you want to start? Okay. Karaoke go-to song. Love is a Battlefield by Pat Benatar. Excellent choice. Diet or eating in moderation? Eating in moderation. Nice. With exercise and no carbs. Okay. If you can choose one, would it be a dinner with Stevie Nicks or Heim? I mean, this is like Sophie's choice. This is not fair. I mean, that's like Sophie's choice is not a fair thing for me to say because that was like horrible. (laughs) (laughs) But these are my two favorites. I mean. You had to pick one. You only had one. Stevie no, Nicks. Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks. I mean, 100%. And if anybody Nicks. out there knows how I can get to the Rock and, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Brooklyn in March, I please direct message me. <laughs> ASAP. ASAP. Immediately. Um, would you want to live forever if you could? What state of health would I be in? <laughs> You'd be in a really great state of health, driving around in a little golf cart in Thunderbird Ranch with me, you know, in Palm Springs. Yes. Great. Golden Girls. Golden Girls. That's that's your level of health. Great. Like Dorothy. Like not Sophia. <laughs> are you calling me Dorothy? No, I'm just, you said what level of health? I'm saying the Golden Girls are on a different spectrum. Yes. Thunderbird. Have you cried at work? All the time. Do you hear that, people? All the time. C-suite. Cries at work, too. That's right. I mean, like, not in, like, public. I mean, sometimes I get misty-eyed. But there are times where I definitely crawl under my desk. (laughs) Not where I currently am, but in the past. These eyes are crying. These eyes are my heart. Okay, good. Have you ever experienced sexual harassment at work? Yes. Uh, Favorite age so far? Where I'm at. I mean, things are breaking, like, on my body all the time. (laughs) And I can't quite remember everything all the time. And, like, I I feel like I'm, like, you know, sliding down a hill sometimes. But, like, I mean, every moment, Matt, like, this is, like, it's, like, look where I'm at. Like, look what I've learned. Like, look, I, this, this is great. Yeah, like, 35 was great. 28 was great. But 44 is not bad. Be present. That's right. Um, what's your favorite pump up song or artist? Uh, photograph by Def Leppard. Whoa. Wow. You knew that like that. I was, I wasn't expecting that one. Yeah. Def, Def Leppard is also being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Same time as Stevie Nicks. <laughs> so by the way. if you could DM yeah. Sarah. ASAP. Anyone has tickets to DM yeah. Sarah on Instagram. <laughs> uh, in one word, when you die, what do you want your legacy to be? One word. One word. I don't know. One word. I mean, like, I want people to feel like I gave a shit. Fill in the blank. Happiness is blank. I mean, these are so hard. 
They're not. <laughs> Why not you? Rombauer. Happy <laughs> Rombauer Chardonnay. <laughs> so true. Um, Sarah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your wisdom for blowing Ben's mind. You blew my mind. Seriously. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for having me. I mean, this is it's it is it's like an honor to be asked wow. to share anything, um, but but to be in your presence and to to be a part of this podcast. I love what you're doing, uh, and uh, I'm honored to be a part of it. So thanks for thinking of me. Amazing. Aww, thank thank you, you so much. As my former boss, your validation means a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much. And if anyone wants to learn more about Sarah, there's some awesome articles about her in Business Insider. There's several actually. You can watch an amazing keynote she gave at Talent Connect uh, 2017 about her life and her career and you can check her out on LinkedIn. That is true. Those are all facts. And you can message her about those tickets. Please. All right. Thanks, ASAP. Sarah. Thank you, Thanks. Sarah. Okay, Ben. Sarah said 100%. Yeah, so but, but you you have to do the tax. Why though? Because, because you you always say it. All right. So So you have to give up. so Sarah, anytime Ben says 100%, usually it's him. The fact that he didn't say it once is I, yeah. shocking. But he now has, you're making me do it. Just do Okay, it. all right. All right. Uh, he has to give one 100% true embarrassing farm fact. Ooh, I love this. So give us, give us a farm fact. Pay Sarah's tax. Um, okay, let me think here. What, I only have to give one today? Yes. We, for this, yeah, this episode. Um, <laughs> so when I, <laughs> when I wash my hands after I use the bathroom. These are all bathroom oh God, related. So yeah, all of them are bathroom related. <laughs> Oh my god! I wonder what the other ones are. You, you, you gotta listen to the other episode. It's the teaser. I have to like when I dry my hands. I don't. I first of all don't like the the air things. The you know, air I, hand dryer. I, the air hand dryer. I would rather use like a napkin, but I have to. I it's have not to, very green. I know. You got to get in between the fingers. I have to get in between the yeah. fingers, like every time, and like I, I like you know it's it's a, just a requirement. Otherwise, I just don't feel like my hands are like cleaned. So it's just. Automatic every time. That's my weird fact. All right. Ben just killing trees for his own personal satisfaction. It's not weird. I'm down with that. Thank you. I appreciate that. There you go. All right. There's my fact. We're learning so much about you. <laughs> More to come. <laughs> I'll try to expand from the bathroom next no, time. No, it's fine. You, you keep it in the bathroom. It's fine. I mean, I'm dying to hear the other ones. And, and cut. Uh, <laughs>